And welcome to the TKW Podcast. I am Matt Spendley, and I'm joined tonight by Kyle Maggio. What's going on, guys? And Anthony Corbo. The one and only. Fellas, how about them Knicks? We did it! Listen, I don't mean to be uh, overdramatic here, but the Knicks are the best team in basketball. Yes, they are. Fucking A, man. Warriors are on watch, officially. Yo, Frank Nielakina. Best small forward in the league. Did you guys get um, any PR notifications of when that Alonzo Trier statue was going to go up in front of the garden? Yeah, They're pretty, I'm pretty weeks. sure. Yeah, within, I think before the next game, they were saying. Okay. Has to. Yeah. Has to. Yeah. They're going to, he's looking at the documents, the blueprints now, and he's going to get back to them. I've okay. heard they're uprooting Penn Station just to put the statue in. Penn That's Station's already in bad enough shape. They're just going to put it all to hell just to have the Trier statue. You know, that's that's a bold, bold decision, but I respect it. Uh, I respect it. He deserves it. So let's pull back for a second and and talk about the game in general before we really focus on on Trier. So the Knicks win their debut game, 126-107 over the Atlanta Hawks, led by 31-6-5 from Tim Hardaway Jr., a double-double from Ennis Cantor, a double-double from Noah Vonley, and Trey Burke with 15 and Alonzo Trier with 15. So in a, a well-rounded scoring game from these Knicks, a 49-point second quarter, the most points the Knicks have ever scored in a second quarter in their franchise and the second most they've ever scored in a quarter, period. Put simply, you couldn't imagine a better way to kick the season off. So, Ant, why don't you give us some initial thoughts on the 1-0 New York Knicks? Yeah, I mean... To, you know, obviously to start it all off, we got to give it up for Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, I think, you know, for me and I think a lot of other fans, Tim Hardaway Jr. is one of the biggest question marks I've had going into the season. Just like, is he really going to be able to define his spot in the starting lineup this year? Or is somebody, you know, are they going to pass up on him for, you know, uh, matchup reasons? Or is somebody going to pass him in the depth chart or something like that? But tonight he came out, he showed himself to be pretty dominant. He was getting to the rim when he wasn't making shots. He was putting up threes. He was not hesitant at all. Uh, you know, he started to kind of cool off a little bit in the uh, early third quarter, brought himself back, and had a really, really solid uh, opening point of the season. So, yeah. I think what I liked the most was that he shot a lot, but he wasn't chucking, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. these, weren't, these weren't your normal Timmy chucks from last year where he's shooting off balance, his feet aren't set, he's fading from side to side. Uh, a lot of what he did tonight was either he was like driving straight in or he was more or less set. Like he was using his screens. Well, he was getting his feet under himself. So um, that's what we spoke about a lot in the summertime was he could have a breakout year. If he just simply stopped shooting shit shots and he mostly did that and played well in transition. The first, I think three or four shots. I was like, Oh my God, we're in for just a vintage Tim Hardaway junior game where he's just frustrating. But my God, that stretch he had there. I just, I'll continue to say this all season, and I loved seeing it tonight. Use him in the pick and roll because 
He's a more dynamic scorer than anyone else they're going to use because he's so much more of a threat. So Trey Burke is a better passer, obviously, and can maybe slither around a pick a little easier than Hardaway. But Hardaway as a threat from deep, he's not an easy guy to defend in that pick and roll scenario. And we saw tonight he had five assists. So we know it's something he can do. We know it's something that he had in his repertoire. So it's 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 something that the Knicks should really start to utilize more. If they're going to be paying this guy and him going to be the starter, then this is what it should be. And please, I'm, I, I've said it all summer. I'm saying it again right now. This should solidify anything. Tim Hardaway Jr. is the starting shooting guard as long as he's healthy. Do not consider any other options. Please do not. I don't want to see anything else talked about. Please. I will say this, too. We we talked a lot about his shooting percentages. Did you take a look at his uh, percentages tonight? Yes. So so we we spoke at length about what an improvement he would have to make, right? So he shot, what, 42% last year from the field? So yes. he shot 45.5% tonight from the field. And then and that is sh- just a, a gorgeous. Like, sign me up for that all day, every day. Right. Yeah, right. And, but and that's he was well above 50% for most of the game, too. Right, right. And he, again, like, uh, I think Matt said, he, or no, you said he cooled off at the end a little bit. But even his three-point percentage, like, it was, this isn't anything to, you know, go crazy about. But it's it's a percentage and a half almost higher than he shot last year, 33 Point three some odd percent. So, and just to kind uh, of top off that, you look at he had you know six rebounds, five assists, two steals tonight too. Some of those assists were beautiful. There was that one uh, in the lane to Canner with the uh, where he just dunked it home after that. Like he really just had a great grasp on the game tonight. I think he's really starting to come into his veteran form. Also got to the line eight times yeah. for what it's worth, which is good. So just a, a fantastic game from Timmy and also from his other lock in the starting lineup and his canter 16 and 11, three assists. He had a really nice look to Mario Azonia who had a, a great game to end. That's perfect. Azonia time. Let him cook. And uh, when the game's kind of already out of order and the Knicks had already solidified it away, but we saw the two linchpins of this starting lineup for better or for worse. Most of the season, it will be for worse because the Knicks are still not going to be a great team, but Hardaway and Cantor set the tone tonight from the get-go, and they're two guys that the Knicks are going to have to rely on this year, if only because this is such a young roster that has so much growing to do. No, we knew they were going to eat. Yeah, I mean, especially Cantor. We knew Cantor was going to eat. We figured Timmy was going to get his shots anyway, but we were unsure of the distribution. You know, if if Frank was supposed to get more shots, if uh, Knox was going to get a bunch of looks, which he did, and uh, didn't do a whole lot with tonight, but um, we knew that... uh, you know, all summer we knew Cantor was going to be a walking double double, and we figured there was going to be an uptick in points. So, I mean, he—they both came out and did exactly what we expected them to do. Timmy a little bit more, but Knox kind of stunk tonight, huh? A tough game from Knox. Tough effort, but there was moments after, where he looked a little bit confident, but there, he definitely just looked well, stuck out there. And I said it, sixteen shots. He was yeah. four of sixteen, but, yeah, but we you, saw the aggressiveness. He just—he relies too much on that mid range. And his problem is when he gets around the hoop, he has nothing like he has no sort of, yeah. you know, there's no layers to his game. He, he has just no doesn't know tricks where up he's got to be yet. He just has right. no idea where he's supposed to be on the court. He has no idea what his role is going to be in the NBA. He doesn't know you know, what he should be doing at this stage in his rookie career, which is game one, obviously. I, I so, will say this though. Yeah. I just kind of, and you guys can tell me if you disagree, but this kind of inefficient game seem different than like the last three. Like, I feel like the last three, he was trying to charge a little bit too hard 
and and really try to make something happen at the rim or like uh, trying to draw on contact. Tonight, it felt like he got a lot of mostly open looks and a lot of stuff just wasn't falling. Like, and I'm not saying it was like night and day difference in terms of his looks, but I just felt like that part was an improvement and it just wasn't falling. Cause my big issue wasn't so much with that as it was with the, you know, ineffectiveness across the board elsewhere. There was I, no, I agree that he got uh, that. He had, uh, he had some decent shots tonight or he got to a good positioning tonight, but I don't think his shooting looked good. I think that's a big difference. Like, it wasn't just that his shots were in falling. I thought his shot looked weird altogether. Uh, and I thought he was getting to his spots well and they were finding him in the offense, but he just needs to get more confident with the shot. Yeah, that, that's what, yeah, that's what I mean. Mostly like his looks like not, not so much his actual shot or any, anything to do with that, but like the looks he was getting, I thought were better than the last couple of nights. And it just wasn't for whatever reason dropping tonight. I think that's true because we saw him miss some open jumpers and he had some threes that were, you know, decent looks and he was one of five from three, but he also just resorted to the floater way too much. And that's a telling sign of someone who's just really not confident with their shot. It's a huge part of his game and it was at Kentucky and it's going to be in the NBA, but sure you can get over reliant on it. He doesn't have the confidence around the rim yet. And that's why you'll see him resort to the mid range. It's just, I he's puking up these 18 to 20 foot jumpers. And it's the last thing that you would want in an NBA offense in 2018. And he did it at Kentucky too. So it's something he's going to have to shed. And it's something that I hope the coaching staff continues to hammer home for him because the Knicks did end up shooting 33 threes tonight. Although a lot of those did come when the game was kind of out of hand from Hazonia. So I don't think we can really look into that all that much because at one point they were more like 17 out of, you know, 55. So what we're going to see from the team is what we saw tonight, I think we saw Hardaway shoot nine threes. I was really happy to see Trey Burke knock down two threes. Burke actually had a great game too. I don't know if we'll get around to talking much about him, but he was good. Uh, what else did you guys see? What else did we take away from game number one? I'm mad that Knox did nothing on the boards. Yeah, no rebounds, no assists. So low but, in the peripheries, two steals, but yeah, but um, really, obviously, I'm still enamored with Alonzo Trier, and he didn't even play a ton of garbage time. It was a lot of uh, some meaty minutes there, and I think he did really well. Obviously, the dunk. Uh, the, the, the did, did dunk. You see the stunk. Have you the seen dunk, the it dunk? It was unbelievable. Uh, we, we, it was we, unreal. Yeah, hopefully, we can replace the Starks dunk because I'm. We we need something new. We need something fresh. But but no, I mean, um, at least I mean, they that, won. He's ex- he's exciting, man. I mean, he's every time we keep trying to like temper our expectations, like okay, undrafted, small sample size, whatever, and then he just does more of this, and he didn't even just you know hit the, you know, the, his shots are contributing scoring. I mean, he also for a guard four rebounds is nothing to scoff at either. So, um, I just really like what I'm seeing from him, man. I just think there's really a need for that kind of, we were hoping for like Burke to be that instant offense off the bench. So if Trier could be that guy, most of the time, I, I get why you would start Burke. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I really am enjoying this, uh, this Trier ride right now. Well, you know what my biggest takeaway from, Trier and Ron Baker playing 27 minutes is that Emmanuel Moutier is done. I, I don't see how, when he comes back from an injury, he fits into this rotation at all. I, unless he's taking over those Baker minutes. A couple of minutes away from Baker, man. He looked so bad tonight. Do you yeah, think it's, know, do you think know it's know an injury? Do you think it's an injury? Do you think it's an injury? I know. Because, I know. It's, it's an injury. I, right. I said, why would they hold him out? What's the point? That's a good question. What's the why point? Would, I, I don't understand. Why would they? I, I, that's I have no idea. I, no motive makes any sense. I kind of think it is an injury. 
When did he get hurt? We well, didn't hear. I, I listen. I, at, practice, at practice, I, I don't. I don't think. We it's don't. An, do I don't think it's a an injury with a wink because it's like Fizdale wants to play him still a little bit. Like he would. Like I don't think he has a problem with like. I don't think he has a problem with just putting him at the end of the bench instead of like marking him injured. What good does it do to him to like make him inactive? You know. That's how I feel, Kyle. Why do you think they're wink winking it then? I, I don't know. I I don't have a I don't have a valid legit reason that you're ever going to believe, but I think they're just trying to buy time for whatever reason. I don't know if they need more time to make a roster decision. I don't know if they if they have something up their sleeve. I don't know, but it just doesn't. It just didn't seem right. Well, hey, to me. speaking of a roster decision, how about Noah Vonley tonight? That? I remain interested in Noah Vonley. My he just, he just hustles, man. He, he just really, hustles. yeah. I I was shocked because I was I was so ready to write off Noah Vonley after the preseason. Like I know he had flashes, but I was just I didn't expect to see anything out of him. And I don't know, he looked really good tonight. He had what what, what was he? Twelve points, ten rebounds, a couple of assists in there too. Yeah, yeah, he's an incredible rebounder. Like yeah. his rebounding is is remarkable. He's so strong in the post. Did you see the way he was like boxing out Alex Len? It oh was, yeah, it yes. was unbelievable. And, and and again, I keep I keep wanting to like not get too excited because when we get excited about something about something our players did, then you say something like boxed out Alex Len, and then I realize it wasn't really that fantastic. <laughs> Alex Len is not a good NBA player. Is that no. what you're telling me? <laughs> oh no, never, never. He's so bad. I was, watching, I, was, I, was, I was watching Alex Lynn tonight, and I was confused. I was confused when the Suns took him a while back, and I was confused all over again tonight. And I was like, I, I, I understand it's the Hawks. I understand how terrible the Hawks are. But even still, I was like, I don't get how this guy's starting. I really don't understand stinks, it. Man. He stinks. But anyway, well, I, enough I, about I, him. Different. The difference when we're talking about our general excitement about this game, which obviously we understand, the Knicks played the worst team in the league. The Knicks are still going to be bad. The things that we're getting exciting, excited about are not unsustainable things because we're getting excited about a nice game from Noah Vonley. We're getting excited about a nice game from Alonzo Trier. We're not getting excited about the Knicks potentially making a playoff run or anything like that. We're getting excited about the performances on a micro level, which is exactly how we should be going through the season. And we're also getting excited about what we see from the coaching staff, what we see from the general energy that seems to be just coursing through the veins of this team, which was well, great to see in the debut at MSG because the crowds into it, they totally had the crowd on their side in the second quarter, which really propelled them to that immense comeback after being down in the first quarter, just an awful start. So top to bottom, we are getting excited about the right things and we're not letting ourselves just careen off into dreamland about any sort of craziness that could happen this year, because that's not what we should expect. Well, my other, my other big takeaway from today was just the body language that David Fisdale was giving off was so excellent. And you could see it. There's one point, I think it was Ennis Canner, uh, got call. Uh, I don't, I don't exactly remember what the play was, but, uh, you know, Oh, I think it was just a, a really stagnant, uh, you know, offensive play. They got called for, they called a timeout or something, but Fizzell, you know, like looked really aggravated at Canner and Canner went up to him. They kind of talked for a second and then everything kind of cooled off for a second. The camera goes back to Fizzell and you just see him like a couple of seconds after the play, giving him like a thumbs up afterwards or something like that. Well, just like well, the most positive coach I've seen in a long time out there. And I think that's going to have a big impact on how these guys start to gel with each other because they well, look like also- a streaky team. They look like a team, especially at the beginning of this game. You could tell that. 
when no, when one person's not scoring, nobody's scoring, and when one person is scoring, they all start getting hot at the same time. Do you really need that camaraderie? I think it's going to play a lot into the season. Did you see how excited he got after uh, Knox's and one? Yeah, that second yeah. that second floater he hit. I mean, when was the last time we saw a coach get that excited? To your point, you know, when did, when is the last time we saw a coach get that? I saw um, one face. Animated, out of, what he, I saw in one his place. face. Out oh, of Woody, Jeff Woody, yeah, Woody's a good one. Yeah, Matt, Woody's a good one. Woody yeah, was pretty Woody. animated. Yeah. It's Woody because his, uh, oh my God, Fisher certainly wasn't. Kurt Rambis certainly wasn't, and Hornacek. I don't think he ever changed his expression on the sidelines. No. Hornacek just looked like he shit his pants the entire time he coached the Knicks. Just I mean, my, he was he was point. actively shitting his pants Active, while coaching yeah. that team. He he took a shit on the floor most of the time while he was coaching that team. It's the first coach that I think in like since Fisher took over, I feel like this is the first coach that's coaching the Knicks that I actually feel like has a competent grasp on what his job should be. And that's the sign of a potential culture change and why you'd be excited yeah. for the future of this team. I think there's still going to be moments this year when I'm frustrated with the coaching aspect of Fisdale just because I I didn't disagree with his lineup choices. And obviously it, it worked wonders tonight. And clearly it, it's something that propelled this team to victory. And it was it was great. And Knox struggled. So it definitely helped in potentially sparking a fire under him moving forward. But I'm curious to see how these rotation minutes keep sprouting up because we saw seven Knicks or six Knicks come off the bench tonight. So we saw 11 total guys play. That's a lot to have in a rotation. So I want to see how he puts these guys out there. We saw Frank Nielakina play alongside Burke, play alongside Baker, play alongside Trier. We saw three guard lineups that are probably going to be featured a lot Mm -hmm. because Frank Nielakina is that guy that can be the third guard in those lineups. So I might have some frustrations with him in terms of lineup choices, but for the energy he brings for the mentality that he is instilling in this team to run, to let his wings handle the ball could not be more on board with those things. Was there also, I'm sorry, was there any more, was there any big takeaway that we saw from Frank Nielakina playing out on the wing today? Is there, did anything look different compared to how he had looked earlier in preseason? Honestly, I thought that was a really, from what we saw last year, all we have to go off of, I thought that was a really standard Frank Nielakina game. Is the best way I could word it because it was a really just regular Frank game. Well, he played yeah, 33 minutes and he had five points. So yes, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> because, but you know, because I mean, there was a couple of defensive plays that we tweeted out too. Like it, it was just a really like he he made his impact defensively. Uh, he made guys work there. He forced a couple of turnovers, which you always want to see. Mm-hmm. Played fantastic on ball defense. Did one or two nice things offensively. He was okay on the boards today. Five rebounds. Nothing else. And I mean, you know, the one and thing it's like, that I do appreciate that I keep seeing out of him is is him being able to play defense both at the rim and at the top of the arc. I mean, there's few players in the league who can actually do that competently. And Frank, to be doing that at whatever position you want to put him at, that's a, a really good sign moving forward. But yeah, the offense just was not there tonight. He was pretty invisible. He did have some opportunities as a ball handler, but... Most of those opportunities went to other guys as the game went on, more like, you know, Burke and uh, and Trier and, and those other guards. Burke had a nice little game. He did. And I've been on record saying that I don't think Trey Burke is all that good, but I liked it tonight. And I've always said that my, my bold prediction was that I don't think he's playing a big role for the Knicks as the season goes on. But I liked what I saw. And if he... 
I just love the two for three from three. That's perfect. Like if he can just turn, he takes 11 shots. Three of them are threes. Like sign me up for that. Like this is what you need. That's ex- yeah, that's exactly what we hope for. It's perfect. And if he's doing that, then there's no reason for me to have that prediction. I can give it up after game one that he won't be a decent role player for this team, which is all that we're asking of him. Well, yeah. In in some ways, you're right with that, where I, I think that that's exactly what his best role would be, is just being a solid role player for this team. And it's... John is talking shit in fantasy right now about me, and I'm not having it. But uh, <laughs> Alfred Payton had a triple-double tonight. I know, me. I know. And Jess is killing me right now. The Alfred Payton. The, the one and only. I know. Any, anyway, uh... <laughs> Listen, Trey Burke, the thing with Trey Burke is that I would love to see him be just a role player for the team. I get really worried with Trey Burke when he's taking the ball up the court every possession. And then when the team is kind of out of sync, what does he do but go straight at the rim? And sometimes that's a good thing, but a lot of times it's not a great thing. And I just just don't trust him as being that primary ball handler yet, which is why I wish somebody that like Neil Aquino got the start there uh, instead of him, because I would love to see what he looks like coming off the bench more. And he's still got time with some bench units, which is what we're going to have to keep an eye on, too, because you'll see plenty of lineups with Burke, but then it'll be Freer, Knox, Courtney Lee when he's healthy, Noah Vonley. So that's what you got to be looking out for is these lineup choices that Fisdale elects to make with his guards, because the starters are the starters. And if that unit's going to end up sticking to there, I know the second quarter was basically completely a bench unit. So that's the kind of thing you need to keep an eye on. What kind of situations the starters are being put into to be a leading scorer in a second unit, potentially. And that's where you hate to see the struggles of Kevin Knox, because ideally he's the guy that you hope could lead a second unit before he eventually joins the starting lineup. Should he begin to progress more after a tough first game at the garden? He did. Uh, I, will, I will say this for Vizdale, though. He did kind of do that with Hardaway and Cantor. He, like, did. he did. He did make sure that one of them, uh, very, very obviously that's like, I feel like that's something we've complained about the last couple of years that none of the coaches were ever able to figure out was that your scores, one of them should always be on the floor because you need, you need scoring. That's how basketball works. Well, it was always the Westbrook Durant problem with the thunder, right? For some reason they would have lineups where both of those guys would be out and you'd just be sitting there like, why is this happening? And obviously the Knicks are that to a much lesser degree, but I think generally there shouldn't really be a time when you have an all bench unit out there. I just don't believe in that as a basketball team, but with the Knicks, with them having a bunch of young guys that need to be given opportunities, it doesn't really bother me that much. No, but but that said, I do I do like the bounce that they had tonight. Obviously, it works well when you score 126 points and you know damn near 50 in the second quarter because then there's opportunities abound for everybody. But um, you know, for the one game meaningful sample that we have to go off of, it was nice. I enjoyed it. And how about the brief bit of resiliency from this Knicks team? Because in the third quarter, we've all seen the Knicks completely collapsed in third quarters, third quarter of doom, the infamous third quarter. of doom. That's what it is. They do it better than no one else. The exact opposite of the golden state warriors. Like clockwork. Like it doesn't, it it never matters. It never matters. The players and the coaches. I'm pretty sure the Knicks are the exact opposite of the golden state warriors. So I think we need to back that up a little bit there. Cause that makes a lot of sense. People forget the Knicks led the warriors at halftime two games last year. People forget this. People aren't talking about this. No, it's really, you hate to see it. You know, you do. But the Knicks were only up by 13 in the third quarter and then managed to pull away again and and really solidify a victory. You never know. Maybe last year, that's a team that just kind of says, you know, we're going to 
give this game away again because we're used to failing in the third quarter. This is the kind of thing that for a young team, if they had let that game slip away from them in the third quarter, if that all of a sudden becomes a six-point game or even an eight-point game or a 10-point game from a 13, that makes a huge difference. To know that they can put a game away, to get that first win under their belt in front of the home fans at the Garden, and then going to Brooklyn on Friday, which is a very winnable game, it's good for this young team to be given opportunities to have some confidence and to know that they can win basketball games, despite also knowing deep within themselves that they don't really have any chance this year to make any big noise. This is what you want from a young team. This is you want. This is what you want from your first year head coach to really drive home that culture change you spent all summer talking about. I mean, it looked like he backed it up today. You know, again, there's a it's a long season. I think I was talking to uh, Giverman on Twitter. And he was going on, not going on, but he had a couple of tweets about how nicely done Fisdale did with the lineup tonight. And I was like, hey, while I agree, let's, I don't want to go crazy with the praises and then be like furious in 12 games when uh, he's doing all the stuff that we hate again. But for what we have to go off of, it's hard not to be impressed. He really followed the run a lot. And keep shooting the threes. That's, that's all I'm saying. We talked about well, this. Well, that. That and you want to give your little uh, train. I saw you tweet about it before. Your transition points or fast break points stat. I think that was from the first half. Yes. So I think funny enough, they ended up with the same amount of transition points in the entire game <laughs> after I tweeted this. So it almost worked out perfectly, but it doesn't work out as well when you're trying to do it as a post game stat. But anyways, halfway through the second quarter, the Knicks had 11 fast break points. Last year they averaged 8.6 fast break points for the entire game. So this is a team we already saw in the preseason that was making it a priority to push the basketball. And we saw it in that second quarter. They were buzzing, absolutely buzzing all over the floor. Steel, transition, Hardaway, Nilekina, work it. Get it in too fast. Get it into a fast motion where you can start to get easy buckets. That's the way that you can do this. And Hardaway is the one that needs to lead that charge because he's their best transition scorer by far. There's not a close second. So having a guy that can lead that charge and then you can rely on is nice because we know about Hardaway's inconsistency, but there's nothing that can be inconsistent about transition scoring. It's getting the basketball, it's pushing it up the floor. And that's what we love to see tonight. And we hope that continues. And there's no reason why we should think that won't keep up as the season goes along. I echo everything you're saying about transition. It's just like, you want to see them move fast. I feel like the Knicks have almost been kind of, I mean, obviously the last couple of years have not been the finest in the Knicks uh, catalog to choose from, but I feel like they've, they've definitely not kept up with the rest of the league in terms of pace. And it, you see it affecting them night to night. And maybe it just took a full culture change, but it's really great, especially that second quarter. It's really great to see them pushing it like that. And, uh, and yeah, I think that's going to be the thing that gets everybody motivated and everybody moving. And that's the thing that got everyone hot tonight. And that's why you have guys like Trier finishing with like 15 points and you have, you know, Vonley having a, the game that he did and his was able to get into it at the end of the game. And, you know, and everyone's just kind of grooving at that point. I think that being able to play at a faster pace is going to be, it's going to affect that greatly. It's infectious. Transition yeah. play is infectious. That's how you get a team going. This is how college teams play. They, they try to run in transition because that's how you get a team to be motivated to run. And the Knicks have plenty of young guys that can fill those roles. 
and be that kind of guy for a team that can just establish this part of their game because it's something we haven't seen from the Knicks in past years. Let's talk briefly about one Mario Hazonia because I wrote a piece earlier today, just some brief questions about what to expect for the next season. And Hazonia is one guy I targeted because we saw him struggle in preseason play to the point where we were basically worried about what kind of role he would fill and if he could be a guy they could rely on and understanding that it's preseason. And this is a guy that has 220 NBA games under his belt already. So we probably shouldn't put that much stock in, but and the same token, we still need to understand he's on a new team and he needs to fit in if he's going to play. It was great to see him have an opportunity when the game was basically already out of hand to nail some shots. He got hot in the fourth quarter. He's a guy they're going to need off the bench. They need his shooting. When Courtney Lee's back, they're also going to need his shooting off the bench, however long he is for the Knicks. But what do you guys see from Hazonia tonight as the game winded down? And what do we expect from him moving forward? I mean, what I see with him at first is just like, I get frustrated because it, it looks like he kind of plays with a bit of a reckless abandon. Like he, he's definitely willing to take a shot and he's definitely willing to drive the lane, but he just seems like half of his shots are totally contested with someone in front of his face. Or like when he tries to go to the basket, he'll just rush right into somebody and just knock him down for the foul. It's just I don't I feel like he doesn't have a very great grasp on what's going on out there. There was even some preseason moments where he was right underneath the rim and he wouldn't put it up and things of that nature. It's just I I don't feel like his awareness is totally there when he's out there. But that being said, he does have moments where he looks really good and he puts in some really good three pointers or he's a, he's able to connect with his team his teammates well. It's just I wish I could see he's not quite Michael Beasley awareness out there. But I wish I could see him being a little bit more dependent on his teammates when he's going through the motions. I thought he was okay even before the garbage time. I mean, um, when he came in in that stretch to begin the second quarter, I thought he was fine. I think he he drilled a three. Uh, he had a nice little dump off. I think it was to Vonley, if I'm not mistaken, for a nice slam where he drew the D in. He went to the left side of the rim and then did a little uh, Steve Nash type swing around pass to get it into bond light, like that kind of stuff, just sort of the same kind of way I feel about Knox, except Mario is, you know, we figure him to be more of a playmaker. Um, you just kind of fit in where you can. And like the preseason, obviously it was, was rough for him. And that's going to be rough for, you know, any team in the league, especially when you just join an entirely new team. Um, but he he looked more comfortable tonight to me. I mean, I know he didn't really shoot that well. I think he was six of 14, um, but he made his threes. I, I know most of that came later on, but just the way he was moving around today, he just looked better to me. I, I don't know how else to really describe it other than that. Like he, same thing with Knox. Like, I mean, I know the results aren't fully there other than his garbage time uh, buckets really, but he just looked like, like he made more sense of the offense today which is encouraging for the, you know, the outlook of the season. That's what we're asking for your boy. Uh, your boy, Luke is on the TV right now, Kyle, by the way, just had a great assist to Deandre for his first NBA assist. How many uh, seconds did it take him to throw that assist? Five, maybe six seconds. No, it took him point two. 
I timed it. I got no, a stopwatch right here. That, next that, to me. That's that's how I know you're you're lying because uh, <laughs> I have a bottle of molasses right next to me, and uh, I just dropped it from about waist level down to the floor, and it took three, maybe four seconds to hit the ground, and that's exactly how fast Luka Doncic is. So I think uh, Kyle, we need to unearth something here. I think you need to also hate Kristaps Porzingis because you clearly just have a vendetta against foreign NBA players. Oh, this Jokic, Doncic. I, 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 I think about Frank uh, yeah. What about Kanner? What about his own? Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa, whoa. Huh? I, I don't, I don't like slow, overhyped players. Doncic is what it comes down to. You Marcus Saul hater. <laughs> yeah, what, what is good? You can't just you can, don't don't make me this xenophobic basketball fan out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you sons of bitches. I'm so sorry. I just I just had to say it because the people need to know. It's clearly a vendetta. So just just so Kyle's reputation is a Yeah, you guys have to understand. Hold on, just real quick, and I'm not gonna get into a whole tangent. Pages all, to Yakovich all, hating all, asshole. All, <laughs> all, all of these things that I get assigned, like that I'm this yoga chater. That I'm this Dante Chater. Like, all of this comes from me saying one incredibly valid thing, and you then the rest of... You said one thing about Jokic? No way. You no, said this one thing no, about Jokic. Yes. Hold on, hold on. You've been assigned no, saying... a Jokic Chater. The, the, the origin of where this started. Last summer, I didn't hate Jokic, right? All I said was, when I saw a bunch of lists coming out, that he was, like, top Jokic. 15, I said, hey, he's not a top 15 player. And then everybody dumped on me for saying he's not a top 15 player. And then when I... Got to defend myself and say, well, I was like, well, he had a small sample of 40 games of offensive excellence the year before. Maybe we should wait to see more of that with a higher volume. And, oh, yeah, he doesn't play defense. And then I got pummeled, right? But that's a valid criticism. That's not me saying I hate Jokic. That's like, well, it's a small sample. That's what we always talk yeah, about. But and he also dude, doesn't play you defense. leaned into that. Don't don't give me that. Eventually, yeah, because of how over-the-top people went. But okay. then the Doncic thing happened the same way. I had Doncic was like my top one or two guy. I didn't really have a strong opinion. I just thought, well, he's clearly not going to be past three. I just thought that was pretty obvious. And then when I got asked why I felt he could go as low as three, I said, well, I have concerns about his athleticism transferring over to the NBA as well as everybody thinks it will. But I think he's probably has the safest, highest floor of anybody in the draft. And I think he's going to be at worst, a very good player. And I got pummeled because I didn't see superstar potential in Luka Doncic. And I was like, guys, like having a valid concern in a young player or a prospect does not mean I hate the player or the prospect. It simply does not. That's all. And your, your tweets that are subsequently followed by that would lead people to believe that you do in fact hate those people. Well, that's because again, when people go like grossly over the top, then those people deserve to be made fun of. Like right, nobody, right. we've talked we've talked about this long enough, anyways. I just wanted to bust Kyle's balls a little bit about the Doncic thing. So, <laughs> let's talk about someone that I spent all off season talking about, and that I was absolutely thrilled had a great game tonight because we talked about him a little bit at the top. But Tim Hardaway Jr. is this something that you think he can at all not replicate? But do you think we have any reason to believe? that he can be a consistent scorer this year for this team if he's used like he was tonight. Yeah, I'll buy into that. I think he I think he might uh take it upon himself to lead this team a little bit more than we're giving him credit for this year. Uh the guy's been in the league since what did he get drafted? 2013? Been in the yes. league, you know, good go it's like his his sixth season now. He's getting on in age. 
he's at a point where he can start leading a team. And I think this is a big step for him in his career to be able to, you know, be one of the go-to scorers on, a, on any given night, not just be a, you know, player who kind of fades into the background. I think he wants to come back from that injury riddled year he had last year. And I, I think he's got a lot to prove. And I think he's going to, he's going to be streaky. He's not going to be, you know, putting 31 points in every night, but I think his impact is going to show a little bit more on the court this year. I'm, I'm going to maintain we've talked. Sorry, Kyle, you want to go? Oh, no, go ahead. He's still reeling from the, the don't church hate. I fuming want to maintain that. I think that we need to understand what he is as a player and he's always going to be frustrating to watch, but I also think we need to put this stuff in perspective for a Knicks team that isn't going to be good. We're looking at a guy that averaged 17 and a half points last year on less than desirable shooting. Sure. So we mentioned it before. If he can shoot 44, 45% from the floor and 34 from three and average 18, perhaps 20 points per game for this team, sign us up for that for this season, because you know what that does? That makes it even more so if you think that the Knicks are going to end up landing one of these big free agents, which we all hope Tim Hardaway Jr. probably isn't a guy that's going to be on this team and the Knicks are going to have to move him somehow. The better he plays, the more chance there is that some team looks at him and says, maybe he could be good for us. I still don't think that's a likely possibility, but hoping for him to play well should be always on our minds and is not a bad thing by any means, unless, of course, he pulls a sophomore year Tim Hardaway and messes up the Knicks draft position against the Atlanta Hawks that he eventually went to. But that's neither here nor there. We can expect him to be a better player if Fizda puts him in the pick and roll situations. I'm going to stand by that. And I, I'm so glad that he said that in the offseason. And I was so glad to see him used in that role tonight. Kyle, what do you think? No, I mean, I agree with almost everything you're saying. And I think besides just being put into better situations, um, that plays right into what we talked about most of the summer, which was if he just shoots slightly better from the floor. And I know you and I both believe that his uh, field goal percentages from, you know, both the the field as a whole and from distance last year were sort of an outlier because they were a little too low uh, compared to his prior years. And I just think we both expected those to bounce back just, just normally. But um, if you factor that in with being put in positions to succeed with getting cleaner shots off, then yeah, I mean, I would expect, I would expect him to play pretty damn well. And I would start to believe in him as a, a more legitimate player in this league. Not like, uh, not, not quite a star, but you know, like that, that tier right below that, like, well, he's a very good player. Like you're never going to quite say he's a star, but a very good player. And I think if he just shoots around those averages, I think that's what you get. So again, tonight was obviously encouraging. He, he boomed for sure, but um, just the type of shots he was taking. And the other thing too, that we, you know, to your point about being put in this uh, position to succeed is Fizdale's a run and gun kind of coach. Like he wants these guys running all the time. And that's, as we all know, and have admitted that's, um, Timmy's biggest strength is transition right up his alley, right so, up his alley. So, I mean, just being able to get a couple of easy fast break points a game is going to help a lot. And just pushing the pace like that too, he's probably going to draw more fouls like we saw tonight because the way you become an effective player in just shooting better percentages is it's also getting to the line to get those free points because that's how you become more efficient. When you have, that's like the, the Kevin Durant special, the James Harden special. When you have, you know, so many more points than you do shot attempts because you've gotten to the free throw line so many times. So that's 
what we can hope for. You know, how far he can take it, I don't know. But I think just uh, the playing style that they're going to put him in this year match with his strength, I think that's going to be the combination for what we hope to be a really good year for him. Kyle, I think a lot of it comes down to what you were just saying a second ago. It it has to do with pace. I think this team's going to play a lot faster, and I think we've seen that tonight. I mean, like, you know, obviously the 49-point second quarter speaks for itself, but... You know, this team looks like they might try to play a little bit faster than we're used to. And I think that's going to reflect well on everybody. I think that's going to especially reflect well on Tim Hardaway Jr. He's just going to be able to play so much faster, and he's going to be able to, you know, he's going to have more of those opportunities in transition. He's going to have more chances to get to the rim instead of just settling for a poor three-pointer. You know, that's going to, it's going to affect everybody on the team, but him especially. Yeah, and think about how much more open the floor figures to be under Fizdale. You know, last year with Hornets, like there's a lot of really clunky, slow sets. That was one thing we bitched about, not just with Timmy, but also with Porzingis was why isn't why aren't they running action for KP? Why are they always just dumping the ball into KP and making him create and, and forcing these weird mid-range turnaround shots that he can make for sure, but that's not really his strength. Why are we not playing to his strength? So I think that's another thing too, is just in the compare, you know, trying to put his Timmy season last year in context is they weren't really working with a scheme that fit most of the players that they were relying on. So just being able to really open it up now is, it's, I mean, it's gotta be a sigh of relief if I'm Tim Hardaway jr. And even KP looking at this style of play, I mean, I would be pretty confident that when I return, it's going to be something that I could fit right into. Yeah. KP has to be excited about this. Just the playing style. He's an up and down player. We saw that last year he was forcing that action by himself single-handedly last year with those blocks and then getting back down the court for a slam or a three, like he's going to fit right into this offense. Once he's healthy, whether that's end of this year or next year, he's going to fit right in. Let me present this question because we spent Sunday's pod, I guess Monday's pod talking to some of our staff about predictions. I know Corbo didn't get to go on record, but does game number one affect your outlook on this season at all? I'd say no. no. I mean, like, not. It, it's enough to begin establishing a pattern. You know, if we rattle off five straight or something like that, then maybe you start thinking. But you know, it, it's it's enough to maybe get you thinking a little bit. But but no, I I still stand. You know, if I got to go on record, I kind of looked at all all the teams in the league today, and I looked at all the you know I counted up exactly how many wins it you know are how many games are going to get played in an NBA season, and I I pretty much stand pat at the Knicks are going to win twenty six games this year. Um, yeah, I, I I mean, we'll we'll just have to see what happens, but for right now, I'm I'm not changing anything. I don't think it really matters. I mean, the Hawks are going to be one of the worst, if not the worst team in the NBA. I think they're so. pretty clearly the worst. Like, I don't yeah. think there's a yeah. close second even. They're so bad. Which is so, great so, because we get to start off so happy this year, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I mean, it's sort of, I think I said it on the last part of the, the pod before. Like, I, yeah, I'd hope that one thing that they're going to win games this year. I hope that they beat the bad teams. That's, I mean, I know it's going to be unpopular for the tanking crowd, but. I hope they beat the bad teams. I hope they beat the shit out of the bad teams like they did tonight because I hope they get their asses kicked when they play the good teams. Like, establishing a a good culture, a winning culture, is taking care of business against lesser opponents, not playing down to them. So even with this roster that the Knicks have, which isn't great, like, yes, like, we know that certain guys can go off and get buckets, and if 
Fizdale's playing to their strengths correctly, then in my opinion, this is probably a, a biased homework opinion, but you should be able to go out and kick the shit out of the Atlanta Hawks almost every time. Like you should always be able to, maybe not like this. You're not going to score 50 points in a quarter that that's an outlier for sure, but you should be able to go out and kick the shit out of a Hawks or the Kings. Like that to me is important. Uh, and we can spar about the the tanking and if I should be rooting for that or not. But I, I hope really, I really hope that they beat the crap out of all these bad teams the remainder of the year. This team just isn't talented enough for us to have to root for a tank. I don't think so. We're going to see them be able to beat teams like the Hawks and the magic and potentially the nets just because their playing style might lend itself towards that. So tonight they were able to ride a great garden crowd in a special Tim Hardaway performance, which we won't get every night, certainly, uh, and a variety of other factors to a nice victory. And like you mentioned, they're going to play enough tough teams. They're going to have enough losses this season. We shouldn't be all in a tizzy over one win. And I, I would imagine there are very few Knicks fans after tonight that would be already on the tank. I think it's way too early in the season to be thinking of that. And it's also important to remember lottery odds do flatten this year. So the Knicks could still end up with the fifth worst record and have a better shot at a first pick than they have in the past. So yep. it's not something that I even want to have in, in my mind right now, honestly, besides watching, because you guys know I'm a big college basketball guy. So I'm excited for this crop of prospects, but in a Knicks sense, it's not even something we should have on our minds until like game 20, to be honest with you, or even after that, it's not like, let's just, at some point this becomes a sport, right? And we want to find the little joys in it that make it fun. This is well, the perfect example of what makes the sport of basketball fun. It's watching the garden come alive for a, a young team that is going to be bad. It's watching a couple rookies try to make their way in the league. It's watching one of the undrafted guys that came from Arizona after a bunch of turmoil in his personal life and in his basketball life have just an incredible dunk that he's able to dap up Nate Robinson. Those are the reasons we love basketball. So let's not worry about the tanking thing for a while, please. Well, I was going to say, it's just, to me, there's different kinds of bad teams, right? Like there's Jose Calderon, Shane Larkin, uh. bad Bad teams, right? respect, please. Holy <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, there's that bad team. Respect on where, Alexi where, 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 where you look at that and go, okay, there's no future here. There's no that. hope. You know, all, all that we need you guys to do is lose as many games as possible to give us a good pick, right? But then there's a year like this, which to me is a different kind of bad team. This is where it's like, like okay, uh, they're still not going to win a lot of games, but you have your, your stable of young guys that you're going to start betting on. You know, you have your Frank Nielakinas, your Kevin Knox's, your Mitchell Robinson's, Alonzo Trier's. Like, those are guys that look like they can legit play. And now you got to figure out if you can develop them and turn them into something meaningful, right? So if they start to overperform, if Frankie suddenly becomes a starting point guard, takes a couple of strides, if, you know, Trey Burke maintains his level of play from last year, like, yeah, I mean, I, I would root for that. Like, how many years have we been rooting for a tank? How many years have we been rooting for a shitty team? And that's not to say this team won't be shitty, but if they were to overperform, it's different than in 2014 when we all got mad because Tim Hardaway Jr. and Langston Galloway, you know, eked out a couple of meaningless wins at the end of the year. Like, this would be different. To me, I'd be like, well, this is encouraging for next year. Oh, this is encouraging when we have KP back and this figures to be a really good team, whether or not we get the free agent that we want. Like, I, I would welcome them overperforming and, and winning a couple of games that they shouldn't. If that's what it means, it's different than like a bullshit Shane Larkin 20 point outburst that results in a win. Like this actually would mean something 
you know, moving forward. And I think that's important to separate too for the people that are only uh, looking at the draft picks. Absolutely right. And let's keep that mentality going on during the rest of the season. And hopefully when it gets to February, March, April, we can just be feeling in a similar sense, just a general, let's see these young guys perform. Cause even the last few years, Last year, I guess you saw some performances, but it's just been like a cloud hanging over. Like, let's get losses last year with the KP injury. The couple of years before them still having vets on the team. And it just felt weird to tank because they were just bad in general. But this year, the direction is clear. Any last thoughts on the game? No, I'm just still scared about what you just said now. I, I don't even want to think about where this team's going to be in February. Like, like I. Oh, just, it's not going to be good. No, it, it's not even just that. It's just this team has proven to be so unpredictable in the past. I mean, Derrick Rose went fucking AWOL, like, at one point a couple of years ago. Yeah, it, again, I was I was at that game. Oh, yeah, you were. You you saw it. It's just like, I don't know. I, I just, I really, really, really hope that we're still sharing a similar opinion you know at this point in february and that they haven't you know done something to completely blow all this shit up i feel confident it's possible i feel confident i feel good in the team we have now i feel good about where our young players are going to be heading i just really 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 hope i still feel the same in february an injury is always the x factor that can make a season go from we know all about february injuries exactly so that's what could happen if kevin knox ever went down or if Frank ever went down. Good Lord, man. You're just going to speak that evil into the world like I'm, that? I'm just saying. I'm oh. just saying. It's it's always something that we need to consider. Yeah, but I'm saying it's, it's you brought, you're the one that brought up where they're going to be in February. Uh, I just nah, want to have I don't know. I'm, I'm with uh, Ant on this one. You've had the gloves off this entire podcast, and I, for one, am starting to feel uncomfortable. You know what? I was feeling real happy after this next thing, and you guys are just going to bring me down. You're just going to tear me down to your level. No, this is what's going on. No, no, no. Huh? Let's uh, so, we can end on a good note. We can end. So my, so my, note. so my last, my last note about the game is, um, <laughs> is I, I quite simply, uh, am falling in love with Alonzo Trier. That's it. Uh, I am. Yeah. You know, and what, what a ways we came from making fun of him in summer league for not passing. I know. I think that's the first clip we had. It was like, okay, so you know, we're going to call him tunnel vision Trier. Okay. Got it. Oh, you got an, my God. I is remember you, your dogs, that aggressive? Your dogs eating each other. Yeah. Yeah, what's well, going on over there? They're, they're having a small uh, disagreement right underneath me right now. <laughs> but, um, oh, Mason's pissed. That's what's going on. Okay, no, got oh, it. No. It's not even Mason this time somehow. But anyway, um, no, but remember, you got lambasted during Summer League because you made, you said, you said tweeted like one comment about Trier having the tunnel vision. And everyone, <laughs> everyone, he's not a point guard. He's supposed to score. Did I, are you? I, do you know what a guard is supposed to And they let you have it. And then after that, he played really well. And then we looked quite silly. So um, I... I'm just going to not talk anymore because these dogs. Uh, that, that, that's all good. No, uh, one. No, go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say one last note because Mitchell Robinson did only play one minute. It looks mm-hmm. like he may have re-aggravated that injury. So we may not see him for a couple games if they want to just give him time to stay healthy. Just something to keep an eye on. That's all right. We'll let Von Lake hook for a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing More like that. Noah Von Ye. Yeah. Not Buddy. like Kanye, but like yay yay. Did you bring up Kanye on this podcast? What was no, going on? No, I mean like not like Kanye though. So um, just because you said not like Kanye, that makes it okay. Yeah, I'm I'm speaking ill on him. All right, let's give a brief 
preview for Friday's game against the Nets because we're not going to talk to you guys again till uh, till Monday after the the Knicks have played the Nets and then the Celtics on Saturday. So the Nets lost to the Pistons tonight. Uh, looking at the game in Brooklyn, anything we're looking for? I know we've seen them play the Nets in the preseason. I know we've seen that fraud Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, we're going to be looking for Spencer Dinwiddie. fringe all-star Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, I mean, that's the guy you're keeping an eye on. But anything you're looking out for on Friday's game? Mm, not particularly. I mean, like, I, I, I would like to see... I'd like to see another strong performance out of Bonley, especially if Robinson stays down for a little bit. I'd obviously like to see a repeat performance, or not a repeat performance, but, like, a, an improved performance out of uh, Kevin Knox. Uh, we'll see if... Frank can make himself stand out a little bit more on offense. I mean, like pretty much everything that we've been wondering after game one. Now I'd like to see, I'd like to see some answers for on Friday. We're not going to get them all, but you know, a couple of things to kind of shore me up going into the season and yeah, I don't know. I'd like to squeeze a win out against Brooklyn. I don't like the Nets very much. Pretty much the same thing that Corbo saying that to me, like my, my points are mostly going to be the same throughout the year. And that's, um, Knox and Frank, like it, what, what are we doing? First of all, is the starting lineup going to be the same for game two? That's a great are we question. Doing a matchup? Was I was are, we doing, yeah. are we going to do a matchup by matchup basis? Because the way that Fisdale talked about it after announcing it sort of, I want to say alluded to it, but he was kind of letting it on that. It seemed like case by case, like, Oh, well, Knox might come back in when he earns it. So, well, what does that mean? You know what I mean? It's like, what, when is that going to happen? And even with the Frank at the three thing, it was like, well, Frank earned it, but then he also said, well, he Frank's still going to have primary ball handler duties. It's like he's being kind of intentionally vague, so it sounds like he's going to just mm-hmm. keep mixing it up. So that's why uh, I know there was a lot of, let's say, out, you know, backlash for the starting lineup when it was announced yesterday. But, I mean, people were very opinionated one way or the other. So I don't want to put too much stock in that, I guess. But I, that's what I'm more curious about. What are they going to do with Frank and what are they going to do with Knox? Is Knox going to get going now? Um our shots going to start falling. We've seen kind of a, about a week, week and a half of this little slump. Is, is he going to start turning it around? And again, Frank, are we going to see more out of him offensively? And where are they going to play him? Those are the things that I'm looking at because we know he's going to shut down uh, that bum Spencer Dinwiddie. D'Lo still has yet to get going. Get a rough night tonight uh, when they played the Pistons. So those are, again, what I'm keeping my eyes on. The point guard matchup and Kevin Knox, basically. Dinwiddie popped off tonight, you know. He had 23 points. Pretending it didn't happen because I can't make jokes. And anybody <laughs> and anybody that listens to this is going to happen tomorrow. So, uh, Corbo, edit that part out, okay? Nope. <laughs> no <laughs> chance. <laughs> All right, and then the Knicks have the Celtics on Friday. At least it's at the Garden, so you always have that hope. But, you know, that, that's, that's always going to be a tough matchup, especially on a back-to-back. So you hope to see the young guys just have some more energetic performances over the next couple games. And uh, we'll be able to revisit stuff on Sunday. Any parting thoughts, any plugs? Felt good to get a win out of game one. That's it absolutely all, did. That's, that's all I got to say. There's go, no uh, doubt. Kyle, go, go to, well, hold on. I, that's not all I'm going to say, but that's all I got. Oh, geez. Okay. Go for it. Uh, no, I'm just going to plug real quick. Um, a recap is up right now. Uh, who had the recap tonight? I believe Kevin had the recap. Ah, tonight. Kevin did have the recap tonight. Look Kevin at that. Yep. So go check out the uh, next wall recap for everything with the game there. 
Check out, um, we're going to have plenty going on with our Periscope before and after games. I know Kyle had one going tonight. Uh, we have Twitch streams going. We're going to be playing 2K because that's a ton of fun. Uh, that's more Kyle's though, man. I'll let him speak on that. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, we had some internet issues today, and by we, I mean I. So You did the, great. Uh, no, no. Certainly did not. So what, ended up, so what we're going to try to do is, to the best of our abilities, we're going to try to be as consistent as we can, is we're going to play a 2K matchup. Um, just any of the staff members of the game that's about to be played, we're going to try to do that as many games as we can. Um, and then we're also going to try to do a little post-game stream. And we could either, you know, just play that game over again or just, you know, just basically we want to be able to give you guys extended time to talk to us. And that's what the Twitch stream is for. It's not just another show for us to talk to each other. Um, Twitch is very interactive, as is Periscope, but Twitch is a little bit more fun because you get to watch a game. So we'd like to start transitioning to that. So if uh, you want to just follow us there, it's very easy to find us. It's just uh, twitch.tv slash the Knicks wall, I believe. So just hop in, subscribe there. Uh, we're looking to have a lot of fun with it. We'll want to do that with you guys. So that's pretty much it. And then I tweeted about it a few times. I said it on the Periscope. Make sure you add the voicemail number into your phone. So I'm going to say now while we're on the pod, uh, for those of you who may not have called in or for those of you who may not have the number saved, um, I just want to make sure we always have that here. It's 727-859-7631. And just keep that in your phones. Anytime you have any sort of feeling on the Knicks after tonight, you're probably excited. Like we are, we want to hear that. We want to hear your little rants and takes and uh, things that excited you throughout the game. And then when we lose by 25 in two weeks to some random Detroit Pistons team or something like that, then we want to hear your angry, um, furious hot takes. Like we want to hear everything you guys have to say. We're trying to give you guys the platform to do so. So the best ones generally we'll try to air, uh, whether it's during the pod or at the end of the pod, but we're going to try to always incorporate those. So make sure you guys bring some heat and make sure you just constantly keep calling. We want to leave that line open for you guys uh, as a way to get your voice heard on a platform that you deserve. One, but, uh, one other thing real quick while we're on that, mm-hmm. uh, it'd be really, really, really great of you all to head to iTunes and just give us that five-star rating. Uh, that helps us out a lot getting to the top of the rankings and making sure that everyone knows about the TKW podcast. And keep, uh, keep, keep hitting us up on Twitter. Man, you guys are great to talk to. And we have a lot of hot takes, and we know you guys do too, so let's go back and forth on them. Let us know what else you're looking for from us. If you got any merch ideas, drop them in there. You know, we, we certainly want to hear what everyone's thinking. So We're, we're here to serve you guys. Yeah. So whatever you guys want to see or we're, hear we're or even purchase stoked. from us. We're just stoked in another season with y'all. That's really what it comes down to. So. Yep, but uh, that's about it. You got anything, Maddie? No, I think you guys covered it. We got a lot of stuff in the works, and it's going to be great. It's going to be a great season. Like these guys said, nothing without you guys. So let's keep it up, keep interacting, and let's make it fun, baby. It's a long year. We're going to be together doing this thing until April. So let's let's go along for the ride, and let's make it a blast. What do you say? I'm all about it. With that being said, we'll talk to you guys on Monday. <laughs>